Good morning. Now, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm 33 as we read this psalm together. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. And the Lord loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars, he puts the deep into the storehouse. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purpose of the people, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purpose of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From, from heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May, uh, may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for these words that we've read in your presence this morning and ask that you will bless them to us as we look at them together and as we look at them in your name. And in your name we ask it. Amen. Okay, Psalm 33. This is a psalm that is to be sung by the congregation. A congregation which is obviously made up of individuals, each with a common purpose. And the purpose is to praise God. The song praises God for who he is. And it reminds us of who we are. And it also tells us what the Lord has done for us. So let's come to the psalm as we read together. The first verse, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. Now we could stop for a moment and ask why. Well, the psalmist goes on to tell us it's fitting for the upright to praise him. And then in verse 2 and 3, we could ask the question, how do we do this? And the psalmist again tells us, Praise the Lord with the harp, make music to him on the ten-string lyre, sing to him a new song, play skillfully, and shout for joy. You see, singing is part of our worship. Now, I say part of our worship because any expression of reverence and awe and adoration towards God is part of our worship. And we see all these things in this psalm. Worship is a way to get to know God and a way to get, know, get to know him even better. And the psalmist does this through the words of his song as he encourages 
to recognize who God is. So this morning, as we approach God's word, as we look here in our Bibles, we do so reverently, with a feeling of expectation. And this becomes part of our worship. So let's hear what the psalmist has to say about God and God's character. And we read this in verse 4 through to 5. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. You see, we're told here that the Lord is a loving Lord, one whose words are true. And they're words that can bring light into our dark places. And that's if we let him. He is righteous and just, and his love never fails. And that is unlike our love, because we fail many times, but he doesn't. And the psalmist, the psalmist's call here in this psalm is a call to the righteous and a call for them and us to praise God. But you might stop for a moment and ask the question, who are the righteous? Well, those who by nature were unrighteous, but now they have been made righteous by putting their trust in the Lord. Listen to the Apostle John as we come over into the New Testament as he brings to us something of what this means. See, in 1 John 6, verse 1 to 9, we have this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know, this is something that only God can do. That is, to forgive and to make the sinner clean. And as the song goes on, it will bring to mind other things that God has done that no one else could do. So when we come to verse 6 through to verse 7, this causes the psalmist to stand in awe of who God is. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth, he gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. You know, this is speaking from the passages we have at the beginning of our Bibles in Genesis chapter 1. This is reference to the wonders of creation. And we see there that God spoke and just by the power of his word, it happened. And back to John in his gospel, he tells us that Jesus is the living word of God. In other words, God incarnate. So John chapter 1 in his gospel, verse 1 to 3, John says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Did you notice there how John personifies 
the word of God. He does it by using the words he and him. Well, John will tell us why he does that, because when we come to verse 14 of that chapter, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. You see, God's living word is Jesus, God with us. And that is a tremendous thought that we need to get hold of. But how should we respond to this? Well, in verse 8 and 9, the psalmist tells us, he says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and he came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. You know, the fear of the Lord, what does that mean? Well, the fear of the Lord is to recognize who he is, to acknowledge him and to trust him. You know, it's good to come to the Psalms and Psalm 111 verse 10. It says this, and you might be familiar with these words, but it's good to look at them again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Then he goes on, all who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. You see, this is understanding, knowing who God is. And again in another psalm, Psalm 40 and verse 3, the psalmist says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. You know, that's exactly what the people are doing here in Psalm 33, the one that we're looking at. That's what they are doing. They are singing that new song that God has put in their mouth. It's a hymn of praise to God. And many will see and fear the Lord. And we pray that they will put their trust in him. So let's move on because verse 10 to 11 in our psalm tells us of God's power, but not only of his power, but of his purpose. Verse 10 and 11. The Lord foils the plans of nations. He thwarts the purpose of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purpose of his heart through all generations. You see, whatever happens and whatever is happening around us, God is in control. And here we see a contrast between God's power and man's inadequacy. You know, we can't make ourselves right with God. It is God who has the power to make us right with him. And this is where our trust in him begins, in recognizing this. So let's go again to the New Testament, this time into Second Peter verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Did you get that? God is not wanting anyone to perish, but his desire is for everyone to come to repentance. 
The very fact that we're reading God's word and listening to the words of Jesus here this morning means that God is at work in our hearts. And thankfully, he is patient with us. As well as knowing God, we need to know who we are. Those who are singing this song are sinners who have been forgiven and who have been saved by the grace of God. You know, maybe this morning, you who are listening to this know that you are a sinner. A sinner who is still in need of salvation. If so, by coming to God in true repentance and coming in the name of Jesus and what he did on Calvary's cross, you can join in with the people who are singing the words of this psalm as a song of praise and thanks to God. How are we able to do this? That is, able to join in with the righteous? Well, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians tells us many things, but let's just look at one thing. Firstly, he tells us what God has done for us. We find this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. And Paul says, according to his eternal purpose, this is according to God's eternal purpose, according to his eternal purpose, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, he has accomplished this already. So according to his eternal purpose, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now remember the words that we looked at in verse 11 of our Psalm 33. The words, the purpose of his heart through all generations. You see, God's purpose is that none should perish, but for everyone to come to him in repentance. Listen again to the uh, listen to the Apostle John uh, as he brings to us the words of Jesus again in his gospel. It's John chapter 6, verse 40. And this, this is what Jesus said. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Isn't that great? The Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Back to Paul in Ephesians. He, he told us that God has what God has done for us. But now I want us to go into Romans. He's going to show us what our response should be to this. This is Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through to 11. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess the faith, your faith, and are saved. The scripture says anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. You know, that's what these people in Psalm 33 are singing about, and this is what we can sing about. You know, there's a chorus I remember from uh, Sunday School days and it's about this verse that we've just read and the words of the chorus go Romans 10 and 9 is a favourite verse of mine 
confessing Christ as Lord, I am saved by grace divine. For there the words of promise in golden letters shine. Romans 10 and 9. You know, as we come to what is the the middle part of the psalm, we're going to see here in verse 12 to 15 the majesty of God. So let's read those verses. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. You know, this is the all-seeing, all-knowing and the always-present God. And in the words of David in one of his psalms, Psalm 139, we read in verse 13, and he speaks about God. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. This is the Lord who knows each of us even better than we know ourselves. The Lord who doesn't want any to perish. The Lord who out of his love for us died for us. But he rose again the third day. You know, the Lord knows our hearts and he knows our needs. And if we go back to our psalm and look at verse 16 through to verse 19, we see the need of salvation. You see, man's need is to be saved. Let's consider it as we look at these verses, verse 16 through to 19. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. You see, the salvation that the psalmist sings about is salvation from the wrath of God, salvation from God's judgment. He goes on, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Do you get those words? Those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them, from death. Let's go back into the New Testament. Let's go into the book of Hebrews and let's read verse 3 from chapter 2. And as a word of warning, how should we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. You know, our Bibles bring to us the confirmation of the need for the way of for the need for salvation and also the way of salvation you know acts 4 verse 12 salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved and romans 3 verse 22 This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
This is what this song is about. The righteous are singing this song as they worship God. The righteousness they have is through Jesus Christ and what he did. As the song closes, we hear about God's help. We hear about God's holy name. And we hear about our hope that is in God's unfailing love. So verse 20, the faith of the individual, because this is an individual thing. Verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. I trust that this morning we all know the reality of this in whatever situation we are finding ourselves in. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is and is during this time of waiting our help and our shield. Verse 21. This speaks about the trust of the individual. In him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. And then we come to verse 22. And this is a closing prayer. Verse 22 tells us, May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. May that be our prayer this morning. Let's just say those words as a prayer. Now, Father, we ask that our hope may be in you. And may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you today and tomorrow and the day after and so on as we come before you in the name of Jesus. Amen.